Hello and welcome to this, the 28th episode in this second series of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Ogue-McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I am a 21-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple. Bar. And this second series is brought to you thanks to the very generous support of the Arts Council of Ireland. And thanks to that support, we can bring you these conversations absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we won't ever charge for this podcast, but we are looking for you to put your money where your mouth is and put your money into Irish theatre. The whole ethos behind this podcast is to support, promote, and celebrate all that's great about Irish theatre. And the most direct way for you to support Irish theatre is simply to go and buy yourself some tickets to a show that's happening near you soon. Or in my case, go and buy yourself some tickets to go and see Adina Menzel on Broadway next month, because that's how big of a super fan I am. I'm legit flying to New York on my own to see Adina Menzel work her magic on Broadway. Not really helping Irish theatre with that one, but making me feel good inside anyway, and that's all that matters. So do please go and buy yourself some tickets, or maybe if tickets are outside your reach this week or this month, Head on over to a crowdsourcing website, the likes of a fundit.ie or an Indiegogo. See if there is a theatre project there worthy of your support. Donations often start from as low as a fiver and there are always great rewards in return for that support. And as we tell you all the time, there's many ways you can support without even having to put your hand in your pocket. Go and tell people about this podcast, whether that's in person over a cup of coffee or a pint, or maybe by sharing the link on Facebook or retweeting the link on Twitter or just telling people that you know, you've been tuning in, you've been enjoying it, you're getting some interesting stories from some interesting people help spread the word about us and we in turn then spread the word about Irish theatre. Do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you're an Apple head like me. Please, subscriptions are a big help for us in terms of chart positions and visibility. But if you are not on Apple product and you're one of those Android folk, these are of course streamable and available for direct download over at riseproductions.ie. Do go back and listen to all our other episodes, both in this second series and the original series from a few years back. Leave us a review on iTunes if you can or simply click to rate us on their five-star rating system you can as ever follow us on facebook we are facebook.com forward slash rise productions ireland or you can follow us on twitter we are at rise ireland and it has been a sad week this week there's no other way to call it guys because uh, we got the news the other day that we had lost the great tom murphy uh, arguably ireland's greatest living playwright and it's incredibly sad um, because he was an absolute superstar and a gentleman and a rogue and this stunning intellect and a great man and a great man of the theatre. Um, as many of you will know from me talking about it before, the whole reason this podcast came into existence was that in quite quick succession a few years back, um, both Phyllis Ryan, the famous producer and actor, and Tomás Macana, the director and former AD at the Abbey, uh, both died within about six months, and I was quite rocked by it, because for me it was this seismic event of, you know, this generation that had gone before us and paved the way um, were now no longer around, but it didn't really have the impact on other people, you know, kind of either five side, five years either side of me, because, um, you know, the nature of theatre is it, it vanishes. It's like uh, it's like a wisp of smoke. It's it's ephemeral. It's ethereal, and unlike film performances or whatever, uh, they they disappear. And so I wanted to try and capture uh, these voices and these people. But of course, the great thing for us is 
that Tom Murphy doesn't disappear because it's not like a director or an actor. He's the writer. And so those words are still there. Those great plays are still there. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get to work with him um, on the house at the Abbey a few years back. And just having him in the room for that first week of table work was phenomenal. I just really studiously wrote down kind of everything he said because every single sentence was a gem. Uh, I mean, the one that really stands out in my memory was just when he looked at the room and said, it's not the text is sacrosanct but it is a bit and I, that's you know that's the essence of tom murphy he he was for real on you know the difference between a dot 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 is not a dash is not a comma is not a semicolon is not a full stop his sense of the musicality of language and the musicality of his writing was phenomenal and in the way that shakespeare and the iambic provides you this great uh, template or kind of springboard to bounce off into your performance tom's writing absolutely did the same um I don't want to talk too much about, you know, my take on Tom or my stuff with Tom, but I, my favourite Tom Murphy story happened in the Abbey Bar, and it was not long after uh, Druid had done the remount of the tour of Druid Murphy and both myself and Peter Daly, uh, who was the very first guest on the very first series of this podcast. We had both been into audition for the remount of the tour, and neither of us had got the gig. So me and Peter are standing at the Abbey Bar on the opening night of some show, and who comes across the room towards us? Only Tom Murphy. And Tom turns to Peter and says, Peter, I just wanted to say, I know you didn't get the gig, but what you did in that audition room was exceptional. It was a stunning performance. You revealed things to me about that character that I hadn't known before. Um, and I was hugely impressed. Gary has decided to go another way, but just I want to assure you that we will definitely be working together again sometime very soon. And then Tom turned to me and said, Hi, Angus, and walked away, <laughs> which is my all-time favourite Tom Murphy story because they're just a roguish glint in the eyes. I loved it so much. I would much rather have that story than any other. Uh, he was a great guy. I thoroughly enjoyed working with him. And, uh, and as I said, my great pleasure in this incredibly sad time is that the plays will live on, and through them, Tom will live on. He was... Uh, he was really something special. So, look, that brings us to our guest this week. And this is an interesting one for me because our guest this week is Louise Kiley, the casting director, who has had one of the most interesting and varied routes through the business uh, of anyone we've ever had on the podcast. Uh, it's an intriguing listen. It's a great insight. It's kind of useful in terms of practical hints and tips for actors out there who may be listening. Uh, and I just think it's a, it's a great story. So, look, let's get straight into it. Here she is. The brilliant Louise Kiley. The wonderful Louise Kiley. How the hell are you? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be asked. Um, so, take us back to the very beginning because your route through the industry is one of the more interesting ones out there. So, how early does a little spark happen for you in terms of looking for a career in the industry? Uh, okay, so I was I suppose 12 or 13 living in South Africa in Johannesburg and um, doing gymnastics and netball and uh, small amount of sports very badly and uh, this lady called Deborah Glover came to our school and offered drama classes which were not something which was sort of a um, like on the you know curriculum where we didn't have them in our school before that so that was our prim my primary school so actually probably yeah 12 11 12 and um, so I did private classes with Deborah Glover and she sort of took me through all my exams and then in high school 
um, I did the plays every year and the musicals and did the musical in the boys' school and there was a drama club and so um, South African schools are quite different. They start at kind of quarter to eight in the morning and finish at ten past two every day. Okay. Because there's a very large expectation that you take part in at least two extracurricular activities. I mean, it's compulsory in year one and two. Um, so... The idea is that school finishes around half four or five every day, but the kind of later afternoon is swimming and netball and drama. That's a long day. It's a long day and it's, you see, I suppose people in South Africa are more kind of early morning people, you know, like there is swimming at sort of quarter past six, people will start school then, but it's quite nice as well because it does mean that you've got the run of the afternoon to do your sort of your drama and your you know so and we um, you know and they did sort of allow us to kind of run around the school and <laughs> play <laughs> um so when we moved back to ireland um in 96 uh, i auditioned for trinity as you know um and uh didn't get a recall even at that day my mother was there with me um so didn't get a recall but got accepted to do law in ucc around the same time because my mother had given me a pen and made me fill in the CAO form yes, from the university. Course. I was like, what's well, this? There's no no point. But anyway, so I went to university in uh, in UCC and in kind of the first week or two, I joined the sort of freshers and the dramatic and all that kind of stuff. And um, the first play that we did, six that we started rehearsals six weeks in, was actually being directed by Cahill Murray, who works on the radio. Yes. And um, Killian Murphy, the actor you know, and myself and Des Bishop were in it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And um, a writer called Ursula Rani Sarma. Yes, of course. Yeah. So there was a whole gang of us in this kind of really bad play. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So then the Dramat Committee and through, you know, I'm a bit of a joiner. So I was right. kind of on all the committees and everything in university. And then eventually went, okay, I'm terrified of my future coming up to my finals. And... Um, I would be a worrier generally, but I was really freaking out going, what am I going to do here? Um, and so I auditioned for the Gaiety School and it was like the light bulb just kind of went on and it was like everything just kind of settled in and it was the right thing to do. And then I was like, okay, we'll, we'll do the exams, but I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> and how scary a decision was that or how liberating a decision was that to go, no, do you know what? This is what I want to go for. 100% liberating. Really? Yeah. Now, I was very lucky that I didn't have parents saying that's not a wise decision. Yes, of course. I mean, cut to maybe six or seven years later, they were going, maybe that wasn't I don't know. You're so poor. Um, uh, but no, it was, I was 100% supported and it felt absolutely right. So, like, there was nothing, like, it was the best decision ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there's, a, there's quite a few people in the business who have a background in law like that. And I, I wonder how much of it is the kind of the performance element yeah. that people understand about barristers or whatever. It, yeah. is, was that part of it for you or what was the attraction? Yes. So, um, absolutely, 100%. I mean, I was a really big fan of like LA Law growing up. Like, really? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, that's my dream job. And Ali McBeal, you yeah. know, kind of in teenagers. And, um, and learned soon, like immediately, first few weeks in, that doing law is nothing like it is in television <laughs> whatsoever. I mean, I do remember years ago I did one of those assessments and um, like in school, and they said if you're gonna like in South Africa, barristers called it like it's called an advocate. So, sure. um, so if you're going to go down that road, 
it would have to be a barrister for you because absolutely 100% it was just about the public speaking and the performance and yeah totally which is terrible because all those poor people that need defending (laughs) (laughs) you're there for your moment in the spotlight yeah exactly I'm there to listen to me I like it Um, yeah so that that's and actually it's true because there are a lot of people like Killian was doing law at the time as well yeah yeah it's yeah it's a fascinating one so the jump then back from Cork to Dublin to throw yourself into that two year full time course in the Gaiety what was that experience like? I mean, if you like, you said you've been doing the stuff, the student drama stuff down below. Yeah. What was it? Much of a transition, or did it feel like the same thing? Uh, no, it felt very different actually. Um, it felt in ways like just going backwards and having the best laugh ever. Now, um, like law would have been, I mean, as you know, like quite academic and sort of deadline, lots of deadlines and results based as regards kind of two ones and um and a lot of reading yeah like a lot of reading of like really hard words <laughs> do you know like um and so it was kind of brain 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 whereas the gaiety was just like fun yeah. you know and you know you kind of we would spend a couple of weeks breaking down a shauna casey scene or something but and that you'd be using your head a bit but most of it was as far as my memory is is most of it was just pure kind of gut instinct play freedom jumping around the place you know really good and also kind of really getting into your body and yeah. um, like voice I love lovely voices and I, I'm big on voice you know what I mean so so working with your voice and Tai Chi and all that kind of stuff was terrific now that's one half of it but then the other half of it was it was really apparent really early on how little I knew about Irish history Irish theatre like theatrical history okay. Irish plays um, uh, and it seemed on I mean I was Colin O'Donoghue, who the actor was in, yes. was in my class as well, and he was much younger than me. And on day one, he was like, "Oh, I just initially did this play with Kilipo Theatre Company," and I was like, "Oh my God, I've gone nowhere! Like I've done nothing." Do you know what I mean? Um, and also having not gone to school in Ireland, yeah. like I didn't know about Tom Murphy, God rest his soul, or yeah. you know, Shauna Casey, or all of those greats. Even Beckett, like, was absolutely kind of, you know. So so there was learning in that for me and. And that was a good thing, I think. Yeah, I mean, the capacity to come to a Friel or a Murphy or a Casey oh. fresh with no preconceptions. Yeah, whatever, exactly. That's a good must point. have given you a particular insight on it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's you know, it's you know, it was exciting because it was so new. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and like, for example, the play on the stars is one of my favourite plays, um, and I've seen it so many times now. And actually, the the Abbey production recently I thought was wonderful. Um, they just brought to the gate yeah. and um, but you do find yourself going I like that production in comparison to that other production yes. do you know what I mean as yeah. opposed to like wow what an amazing play yeah do you know but they're great and so talk to me a bit about that two years there yeah. uh, uh, hard work but hugely enjoyable yeah I mean look you know it's the best thing ever I think the hardest part of it I think was the waitressing on Saturday night yeah, do you know what I mean try and kind of live um, but no uh, I, it was absolutely great and very val- valuable and um, uh, and you see it in drama students now the sort of there was a couple of people who would come in and talk to us I remember uh, Richard Cook came and spoke to us very kindly and Michael Barker Caven came yeah. in and spoke and um and John Hurt did a, a one-man show, like which was amazing. When really? you think, yeah, he came in and did his one-man show, and you you just look back and you go, 
my God, what an amazing thing to have been allowed to have in the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I suppose there's, like, I remember kind of going, oh, well, wait till they see me. Do you know what I mean? There's that sort of, like, excitement to kind of get out in the world. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, it was just fab. And then it, we, we did our show in the project, and we did our showcase in the gate, and it was all very exciting. Um, it was fab. Yeah. And as you look back on that time, I mean, in terms of the benefits of it, do you feel that it is just the chance to immerse yourself in that fully for two years? Is it the chance to make your mistakes in private? What, what do you feel is useful about it mm. as a, for a training? That's a good question. Uh, I think it is what you said. I think immersing yourself in it for two years, um, whether you sort of like ingest or digest the kind of the world or whether you actually sort of make notes as you go and sort of make it academic um there is a thing which happens organically or however it happens that by the end of the two years it feels like it's kind of in your body and you're yeah. in your body and your voice is ready and do you know what I mean yeah. and, and uh and there's just something you know you do see the grads now and they do feel very polished and um, and, and sometimes, like, the Lear obviously is amazing as well, and the other courses are great, obviously DIT. Like, you know, sometimes young actors, and there's so many that we've met over the years, um, will kind of, age 18 or 21 or 22, will take that time and go and do it. And I, I've asked the question of a few, like, are you sure? Are you working loads? But there is an amazing thing that happens when they come out then and you kind of go without that was a really good idea you know to take those years that said obviously you don't have to train and I fully respect people's choices whatever way yeah. do you know um, and then kind of on that then in the current line of work yeah, yeah. do you see uh, do you see a difference maybe in, in people who've trained or who haven't is there something in the the raw unvarnished quality of someone who hasn't been kind of you know yeah. knocked around by the system and kind yeah. of, is, it, is, is there a difference in that Um. There is in some people and there isn't in other. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like there is um, when we were when we were casting Sing Street, for example, that was big open casting. So it's like, you know, the level, the playing ground is even. Right. Yeah. So everybody has the same go. And a lot of people that came and queued up on those days were coming from music um, and and whether they had, like, Ferdie had busked in um, Bray, I think, and Mark had played in, you know, various bands and stuff. Some people just kind of had that performance thing already. Yeah. And then others had no clue whatsoever. Like, there were some young people who couldn't get the words out. They can sing, but, they, but uh, that, that doesn't mean that they didn't get cast. Yeah. But they were so new that it was... You know, that's sort of like there'll be a kind of a, an indie film that's, you know, or a Ken Loach or something, which is just that very raw, early performance. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. like really lovely and textured in a way that's just very different maybe to something which is Shakespeare on stage, Titus Andronicus. Do you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. You know, so there is. But so some people, even though they may not have been to young people's drama school and, and drama classes they might have that innately anyway and we just had to whatever way they came to it sometimes I suppose if they've done drama classes 
they might be even a bit big. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It might be a bit over the top. Um, but we had to sort of, and Eva Jane, who works with me, was so helpful and so good. She's so good with young people. Um, we just had to sort of draw them all to the same place in one way or another. And obviously that's the director's job and he did that. But it, but in, in, our, in our part of it, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I am very impressed sometimes with the young people that come out of drama school. Like the Lear grads are just... Pretty special. Yeah, they really are. Like, and they're just, and they're really confident on camera as well now, which is really great. You know. Take me back then to those early years after the gaiety and out in the world yep. as a job and actor. <laughs> um, are there highlights from that time? Are there moments you look back on fondly? Anything that stands out? Uh, yes, obviously. So um, I made some really good friends back then. Actually, um, I was part of Castaway Actors Agency, and um, and they're they were and they are just a really supportive lovely group of humans and I remember thinking that if you know these are like these were the first people you know you kind of as a student I didn't sort of know how it worked in the real world and obviously now I do know and it seems really obvious to me that like people just do jobs and then they raise children and they live in Dublin and they you know they're not necessarily sort of famous in the kind of international sense or do you know what I mean um uh, or they might do a few parts on TV or they might pop in and out and that's just life and that's the way it is and that's great I just didn't really know that so so Castaway taught me that it also taught me um, the business side of it and sort of harping back not harping back but going back to the sort of be being a bit of a joiner yeah. you know I was on committees very early there so um, so I was like loving working in the office and um, and at the time Simone Kirby was there and sure. Philip McMahon and Orla Fitzgerald and uh, Una McLaughlin and just a great bunch of people and um, and that's how <laughs> that's how Orla to this day like she's one of my absolutely best friends she just said to me one day let's be casting directors <laughs> it seems so bonkers when they say it out loud. Yeah, um, did, and but it, did, did it feel bonkers to you at the time, or a bit like that jump from court back up to the gaiety? Did it just feel right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, honestly, I hadn't a notion. <laughs> like, I suppose yes, it felt right because it was something we started and continued and didn't ever question about not doing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it seems mad to think that we just kind of went, yeah, we did it, but. We just, yeah, we look, I loved it from the word go, you know, because it's a very good mixture for me of, like, I'd be very organised when it comes to sort of admin. Sure. I like that neatness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously the contracting stuff is like the law, do you know, and it also means that I can lavish in the theatre and the movies, which I, like, absolutely love. Um, and I don't have that pressure of auditions now I do have pressure of interviews do you know what I mean so and I think that's important that people know that that like I obviously interview for jobs all the time and and in order for me to get the job or try to get the job I prepare very well do you know what I mean and in the same way as people um uh kind of keep upskilled in their craft for me it's essential that I keep up so so not only going to theatre and obviously watching reels and all that kind of stuff and meeting actors but also like watching TV watching movies you know we kind of play that game that mm. IMDB game all the time you know what I mean you're watching it going da 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 name 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 you know um, constantly kind of 
keeping it refreshed. So at the time, it was a bit of a jump into a big river. I don't know what I'm doing, but um, but we worked it out. And I do, and I do always say the same thing, which is that like, you know, we uh, we kind of asked people and they were kind enough not to lie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> How does this work? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because th- there is no clear route, or certainly there wasn't at the time. Yeah. To, so is it just about finding it on the job, discovering as you go? But that's my experience of it. And I think that that's probably not the majority. Do you know what I mean? Right. I think generally what people do is um, they assist. You know what I mean? You go yeah. in and you work with the casting director. Um, and that's how you learn, you know. Um, or you work with an agent. Sure. Because they're not unsimilar. Yeah. They're quite similar. Do you know what I mean? The only difference, I suppose. I don't know. I, was, I mean, both of us have to kind of find new faces, I suppose, you know, and have that bit of an eye. Um, uh, but that is the only way. Yeah, it's so weird. It's one of those jobs that... You know, how do you train for it? Like, yeah. it's never, as you say, it's never on the CAO form. It's not something. It and it's a really nice job. You know what I mean? It's a really, like, it's a really fun job. I, I just met an actor there for a general, and um, she said she used to live with a casting director um, in London, obviously, a mate. And, um, and she said, you know, people don't realise that you don't ever turn switch off. It is yeah. the same as an agent in that way. And I know your agent probably is emailing you at sort of 10, 11 at night. And, yep. you know, and when America's awake, we're awake. Mm. You know, that's just the way it is, do you know? Um, but yeah, that's kind of how it happened. So, so sorry, sorry, I didn't quite say, but basically we, we got our, we sent out an email and we, um, we got an email back like within an hour. It was quite a surprise <laughs> going, hi, yeah, could you cast our short film, please? We were like, what? This is crazy. So, really? That quick? Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. Um, and um, it was Liz Gill's short called Silence, which Ben Palmer and Joanne Covert were in. And so we literally had like three days. They must have been just really stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we hired Reraw the dance floor yeah. as our little space. We got a light. Um, and I had a video camera, which I got for my 21st birthday. So we just used that and did that and then hoped for the best. And that's what happened. Incredible. Yeah. Did it feel like a tough decision? Did you feel like that maybe we, the, the, the two things could go hand in hand, parallel, acting-wise for you as well? Or did it feel early on yeah. that it would be mutually exclusive? Uh, early on, uh, somewhat naively, I think, I thought that it could go hand in hand. Sure. Um, and very kindly, you know, um, casting directors like Maureen and Amy didn't see that there was a problem. Do you know okay, what I mean? Yeah. And um, uh, like I'd go in and I'd see them and obviously, and Castaway, for example, like, you know, nobody's discussing anybody's business with anybody else, but that doesn't happen anyway. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, but then, of course, jobs become more and more and my desire to be an actor decreased a lot because I was really liking this other job yeah. you know and so if you can't dedicate your time to the acting to, in order to pay the commission to make your agent you know so I bowed out I suppose right. um, and at the time Karen was still Karen Scully she yes. was still part of Castaway as well um, uh, and they were like obviously incredibly supportive um, and at that stage I had like I feel like it might well it's definitely a year anyway but it might have been a bit longer but um, they kind of gave me the cushion maybe that I needed to be able to kind of start and not be scared and on my own do you know what I mean um, and then uh, yeah and then it was like yeah just kind of happened does it feel like there's a bit of a pattern of 
making those big choices as in like okay I'm going to do law I'm going to move down to Cork to do it and then yeah. I'm going to go back I'm going to come to the game like leave that behind and go and do this yeah. and then like it feels like there's a significant amount of kind of courage in that do you feel that way? yeah well I I suppose that's a nice thing to say I don't know has it ever been courage but it's been gut yeah absolutely 100% like I just follow my gut and it hasn't touched me yes. led me wrong so far probably today Um you know and there's again like I'd be a worrier so I sort of try to put as many plans in place to kind of make sure that you know it's done as well as it can and and I will say whereas maybe as an actor I didn't <laughs> prepare for auditions the way I should have when I say maybe I mean definitely uh, so I probably didn't put in the work as an actor that I and I know that now yeah. whereas I feel as a casting director um, weirdly I always did and even more so now we have very high expectations of ourselves yeah. um, so we work hard talk to me then about the early days of that yeah. was there a moment is there a standout moment where you went yeah this is right this is clicking this is making sense or where you were feeling particularly proud of what, we, of what you were doing or mm. moments of success are there, are there moments that stand out there's loads of moments that stand out. Um, every time somebody would offer us a job, we'd be really excited. <laughs> and Orla was there for about a year. And then um, Orla went and did The Wind That Shakes the Barley. Yes. And so she moved to London and continued. And obviously we'd be, we continued to be friends. So, so that same feeling when I was on my own, when a job would come in, like it would be very exciting. Um, we did our first, or I did my first feature called 32A. Um, and that's obviously, you know the way, like your first show in the Abbey or your first, you know yeah. what I mean, you kind of like will always hold a very, very special place. Um, but I remember I was on the phone, uh, I was walking through Ranelagh and I was going down to ITW and um, I was going to watch this drama class that they had sort of allowed me to go in and um, there was the kind of rows of girls and the ones in the front were sort of quite jazzy and fab and all this kind of and there was just this girl in the back who was just a little bit out of step and do you know what I mean and I remember kind of going oh, I like her isn't that weird you just get an instinct and then she Ailish she played the lead in the movie and I remember kind of going oh okay because you don't know if you can actually do it or not yeah. do you know what I mean Um, like I always like my, my instinct on it is to go like with the humans so <laughs> it's not a bad place well, to start you know, does, that mean, uh, does that make any sense at all no not at all but there you go um so like you know you know when as an actor you read a play or you read a book you get a feeling you know and the way like the way i used to describe it is it's like you put on an invisible suit or like a superhero suits that yeah. they you know what I mean they kind of make you move differently or they make you feel different, or they make you see things a bit differently and it's just that being able to sort of wear that other costume and and I feel the like I would be able to feel the character and then I kind of get an instinct on a person and you can kind of match them up that way now obviously I always say the same which is like of course actors you know can play different parts sure, of and course. Stuff, but that's just a kind of a way in do you know and then as we've kind of gone along, um, I mean, there's been so many. Uh, it, it always feels, it feels good to me when somebody who started out young and maybe was the right person for us in a project, and then you see them and they're like doing amazing stuff in America, 
very proud. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It feels a bit more like a kind of an anti or a mammy. <laughs> the Irish mammy. It's kind of wonderful. Yeah. Again, I, I guess it ties back into that thing of just following your gut. Do you feel that that's, is, is that the big differentiation in the room that you go, I, like there's an intangible, mm. undefinable thing here, but gut instinct says there's something happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just absolutely obvious. Do right. you know what I mean? Most of the time, there's, a few options who are just really really good so yeah. it's quite hard to and you kind of have to you have to you have to kind of cast one part to sort of know how it's all going to land it is a bit like a puzzle do you yeah. know what I mean um, but yes it's instinct and um, and yeah and it's and you know actors are really good and really actors are like really good actors are really good so so sometimes it's just not a surprise as well do you yeah. know what I mean that you kind of go well of course the day was brilliant look at them you know like <laughs> they're just yeah and that that makes my job very very joyful um, because it can be very stressful and it can be the deadlines and the stress and this is not working and you know it can be especially with the bigger stuff and it's late at night and you know and the turnaround of the videos and all that kind of stuff but but watching people do their thing is just amazing I remember um going to see the read-through of... Uh, we were at the read-through for Handsome Devil and yes. Mo Dunford and Andrew Scott were there and the two of them were just like going for it, having a great time, like actors doing their best. And I remember I walked away and I met my friends for dinner afterwards and I remember going, that was a really lucky experience. Do you know what I mean? It was a really lucky experience for me. Just, I mean, I'm kind of looking at the script but mainly just watching them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just going for it, having a... They're so talented. It's, um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And is... In terms of that kind of a peek behind the curtain that most people out there don't get, for you to be in there and involved with that and the cog in the machine that you play, essentially, mm. in terms of the creative fulfilment, mm. is that must be pretty special when you feel that you're there making that magic happen. Yeah, so, exactly. So, um, like, obviously, it's collaborative. We're, you know, we're only, as you say, a cog. We're, we're one section in the big kind of machine um, and the producers and the directors, obviously it's their final call. Um, but I, I do feel like, especially now, so many years into it, that they tend to trust my judgment yeah. and you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. And, um, and what happens is that the TV series or the movie like looks one way, whereas I believe strongly that if somebody else was casting it, it would look a different way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I would hope that it would have a stamp on it or my work you know what I mean is yeah. there because um, because I feel like it is do you know um, so yeah totally like it does feel very creative um, and, and I do feel like I'm putting together a little family yeah and kind of on that in the way that I always bring it back to the Spice Girls yeah as, because why wouldn't you of course um, but when you put the, when the Spice Girls were put together yeah. it wasn't about finding the five best singers and dancers yeah. it was about finding the package that you the needed group. a sporty spice you needed a posh spice it, yeah. is there an element of kind of curating a bit of a family mm. in, 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 when you're casting you know those bigger projects as well yeah of course I mean I think it starts with the writer obviously and the script and you know if it's a group of friends there will be you know, one who sort of has an interest in rugby or one who is more musical or, you know, one who comes from this kind of a background and one who comes from that. And then we sort of find the people to to play those parts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, so, 
Yes, I would think, and and I mean maybe not all the scripts, but most of the scripts kind of like do curate groups in that way to make them kind of interesting and diverse and um, textured. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now every actor thinks they are absolutely right for every single role <laughs> yeah. of all time. I laugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know why am I not getting seen no. for this? I would be perfect as a fourteen-year-old well, female. Yes. You know whatever. Yeah. Um, so. For you then, as you're putting stuff together, is finding those people who are absolutely right for something, I presume, is nice. But then, are you ever pleasantly surprised by going, wow, I never thought she yeah. could do that, or I never thought he yeah. could do that? Absolutely, 100%. And um, uh, there's two things on that. The first is that since the the Louise Kiley casting is not obviously just me, it's uh, me and Thursa Ging and Karen Scully and Fnula O'Shea and Eva Jane Gaffney, since that's happened, what's amazing is that we have different tastes. Right, okay. And so, whereas Thursa will say, well, I think this, and I'll go, oh, okay, because I always thought that that person was this. And she'll be like, no, 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 that, that's this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, therefore, it kind of has my mind more open. Um, because, like, Karen has a different taste to Thursa, who's a different taste. And it's, like, amazing, because I then am able to see things differently. Um, and also... Uh, with the advent of self-tapes. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. Like, you know, self-tapes have, you know, people have different opinions on them, but my God, have I seen some amazing performances that I just never knew. It's amazing. It means that, like, it means that I'm working much more late at night. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but, but seriously, like, I am so surprised at the talent Um and the day can only fit, like there's a casting happening downstairs today, the day can only fit 25 people yeah. in, right? But we can see 40 tapes within 24 hours, 48 hours, and we are so surprised. You know what, we did self, like self-tapes for kids there recently for, um, for a movie, a, a big parts in a movie, and I was like, oh, you know, these poor parents, they are amazing. And I'd say the success rate on the tapes and the kids was about 50-50. Really? Like, so successful. Like, we, like, the American television, you know, the big stuff like Badlands and that, they are so busy that directors don't have time to meet people. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They, they, it's just not the way that it works. And so they trust our judgment. It's all done really, really well. And, it, you know, the tapes come from varying locations and people get cast off tape. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it is like we have just... It's been such an amazing way. Like, it's a much more... So, for example, when we did the open castings, which I was like, let's try and see more people, let's try and see more people. And then we sort of streamlined that so that we did a, a casting for another movie. And what we'd done is we got people to, like, fill in the forms prior. And do you know what I mean? It was kind of neater, and we had all their details that way instead of, like, filling in the forms on the day. And then suddenly it sort of streamlined again into, like, a Facebook post, and everything's on the internet, and yeah. it's, like, a beautiful tape done beautifully. It's so it's such a good way of doing things. We find so many people. On the issue of self types then, yeah. do you need to spend two and a half grand no. on posh lights and a microphone and a no. camera and whatever else? Or will the magic come through on an iPhone? Do you know what? The iPhone is amazing. Like, I would use an iPhone before an old camera. Right. Like, the camera is absolutely perfect. Turn it sideways, put yourself on a blank wall, bit of light... That's all you need. And make sure that you're wearing something that's suitable. Right. Do you know what I mean? Genuinely, as long as it's nice and clean, 
that's perfect. But please don't spend loads of money. Like you can see this, we have this little tripod here now uh, with your, with your um, recording on it. Like if you wanted a small tripod, you can get them on Amazon for about 20 quid. And if you wanted like a very inexpensive balloon light for yeah. your house, they're about 20 quid on Amazon. Beyond that, that's it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Put them on your books, stack them up. Um, the only thing I do say is that obviously people have lives and um, readers can be tricky to get. Yes. I know that. I like, I, you know, um, so if your partner is in any way an actor, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would advise them not to direct the actors because the actors <laughs> will kill them otherwise. At the end of the day, they will divorce. Um, so, yeah, look, I know it's not easy, but it is. Uh, but don't spend loads of money, you know. I had a moment recently where I had to get a self-tape in on a tight deadline. Yeah. And when I needed to, then I couldn't get anyone to read with me. Yeah. So I had my wife record it as an audio recording Amazing. and played the scene to the tape recorder of my wife. Wow. <laughs> Which That's was so clever. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, way to get it done. Yeah. Um, so the last thing on the, on the self-tapes then. Yeah. If you feel like there's a part out there that's made for you and yeah. you're hustling to get into the room yeah. and you can't get into the room. Yeah. Is it worth getting that self-tape done and getting the tape to whoever's casting? Or is that kind of hustle off-putting occasionally? The only thing, so that happens, right. The only thing I would say is, I will never say no to you. I can't believe I've just said that. <laughs> Inundated yeah. for the next few weeks. <laughs> Hashtag edit. Um, <laughs> no, I'll never say no, but just do me a favour. And this is only because we, I can only talk for our business, um, is just send a little note before and just say, look, I'd really like to tape for this. In the unlikely event that you are 20 years too old, sure. we'll say, look, genuinely, I don't think you're right for this. But gen- but for the most part, I'm like, oh, absolutely, give them a go. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, just don't send it without asking. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. all I would say. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to chat to you about moments of magic that you've had in the room. Those moments of, you know, discovering someone yeah. new or those moments of surprise from somebody go, wow, I've seen him for the last 10 years, I can't believe he just pulled that performance yeah. out. Are, are there moments like that that stand out for you? Yes, loads. Um, I mean, they kind of they seem a bit obvious, but um, I remember uh, having met Jack Rayner and talked to my partner Darren and going, oh, he's kind of, it's kind of amazing, he's kind of just like a star, you just have to see um, and talking to Lenny about the character of Richard and saying to him, you know, there's this guy that I think would be just amazing, but obviously we're going to look at everybody, everybody, everybody. And then when he came in, it was just like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. It was like, like, wow. Um, some people are just very charismatic. Yeah. Um, now, I will add on, I don't know what the right word is, but I will also say that they work really hard. Do you know what I mean? So you can be really charismatic and not prepare, and then it's just a bit awkward. Yeah. But if you're really charismatic and you're really prepared, you just make it look easy and you just go, well, <laughs> hello. Yeah, because then you're just like, it's like mind blown. They just leave the room and you're just like, that's amazing, you know. Um, there are loads of times. I'm trying to remember another time. I mean, Barry Kogan adorable he came into us for uh, oh oh this is cute actually he was a very sweet lovely guy um i we were doing a movie called stay in galway um that aiden quinn and taylor Schilling were doing and himself and Brian gleason were in it and uh we were auditioning in the central hotel with this lovely lovely director called Vibke von karlsfeld and um 
So Barry was cast in the role and I went down to see Vibka myself on a different, you know, just down, they were, it was past Spiddle and we just had this lovely night in Spiddle and hanging out. And so she dropped me to the train the next day and Barry Keoghan was at the bus station. We were like, there's Barry. And it was like weeks before filming. We were like, oh, hi, Barry, how's it going? And he said something like, oh, yeah, Grant, I'm, uh, I've booked myself into a and b because I just came down. I just wanted to be around, listen to the voices, listen to the accents, do that, like, off his own bat. And me and Vipka were just like, well, that's very impressive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wow, and just fair play, and just this young guy was just going, I want to get this right. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, so we've just, like, that was adorable. Uh, yeah, I just, you just kind of constantly are impressed by people. It strikes me that you're someone who likes to work hard yeah. and someone who is impressed in turn by hard work and respects hard yeah. work. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%, I would think so. How, how key is that idea of, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get? How how key is that in terms of prep? In terms of making people is that is yeah. that what makes you happy when someone it makes your job easy because yeah. clearly this someone's done their homework, yeah. they're in and they're doing their best. Exactly. So exactly. So like, you know, everybody can have a bad day, right? Everybody can miss a line and nobody cares if you miss a line. Everybody's train can be late and their child can vomit on their hair. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> everybody can have that and frankly I don't mind or care or I certainly won't remember you know what I mean um, but what we respect and like is the work that's put, been put in so you know if you are having a bad day and your train is late take your moment it's absolutely fine come in and do the work that you've prepared to do yeah. and that's that's absolutely what's you know what's needed sometimes people say and I'm not sure is it more relevant for, you probably know this better than I do Inks, but um uh, is it more relevant for theatre than than film? But people go, don't do a performance. Don't learn the lines. And I'm like, do do a performance yeah. and absolutely learn the lines. Yeah. You, um, you know, people are like, don't make a choice. Do make a choice. You have to come in here and essentially give us a performance. And I know that that's not easy, but the ones who get cast are the ones who are like on it 100%. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They And, and obviously they're so prepared that they just kind of literally make it look easy. They're dressed, they're... They, you, know what they, you know what's really great as well is when an actor comes in and they've done their research. So it's not just like they've learned their four pages of sides and they've read the script, which, you know, in itself is quite a lot of work. You, I mean, you know, learning those lines. and um, But they are so hardworking or whatever the word is, or interested, I suppose, that they know who the director is, they've worked with, they've looked at the director's work, you know, they've done that sort of stuff, they, they're kind of referencing the tone, and, and that feels like you can really get in there and have a chat about things, you know, that way. Um, and I always say to people, like, if I was going to meet a producer or a director, there isn't hope in hell. I wouldn't have watched at of least course. three projects, yeah. know exactly who I'm meeting, you know, and then you can actually just kind of, it's level playing ground, you know, and it puts people at ease when you kind of go, oh yeah, no, of course that movie, or when people, you know, sometimes people quite wisely say, oh yeah, like in the book, and you go, oh, you read the book? Do you know okay. what I mean? It's like, wow, good for you, do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's great, and and I say it all the time, but, and also, okay, so I say it all the time, which is that the people who prepare are the ones who get cast, and that's 
true. Do you know what it just yeah. is? Um, the ones who prepare but have a bad day, but we know who we like, we'll just look at again. Do you know what I mean? We won't write anybody off. Um, and also, I suppose it comes from, you know, the way we're kind of impressed by things that we didn't do or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have memories as an actor of learning my lines on the dart or, like, sitting outside and going, does that sound like Dublin? Do you know what I mean? You know, Exquisite. Yeah, Absolutely thanks. Perfect. You know, like I can say Dublin in a Dublin accent, but nothing else. Um, and totally winging it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And kind of going, well, that was good. You know, we'll see how that goes. But it's just like, what a waste of time. You know, it's it's the... And I say this to young people more than I say this to older people, because obviously they know it. Like, a 16-year-old is going to have an amazing experience and it's going to be life-changing. It's like one of those... NAYD things or do you know what I mean like those events that people are sent on and they're you know a real formative thing in your life like going and doing a movie will be amazing yeah um, but it's a job and you're in school and you don't you know have to work because you're young um, but you will get paid for it but you will be expected when you come in for an audition like this is my job yeah. you know like so so I don't have time to, as parents say, it'd be great for their, you know, can they audition because it would be great for their confidence. Now, obviously, we would say, no, I'm not a total asshole. But but I would say, well, yes, but obviously they're going to have to work hard in advance of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What is your favourite part of the process? And I kind of mean in yeah. terms of the, the collaboration and working with producers and directors. And I guess uh, kind of within that, has there ever been a time where you've really felt you had someone and had to go to bat for them? To say, look, you know, and, and, and push. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there was a project a few years ago, and it was a lead, and it was a process, and I was going, but they have it. They just need help. And, uh, and so it was over a couple of weeks, and eventually the person got the part and is amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was like... You know, they just needed a bit of help. And again, is that just trust in the gut as well? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't the only one, I suppose, that that kind of liked the person. Do you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Obviously. Um, but it was just a kind of a negotiation, you know. Yeah. And in terms of those collaborations then, where are the bits that you really feel, yeah, we're doing it here, we're, we're, or we nailed that, or what are the most enjoyable parts of it? Well, there's... Okay, so there's a couple of things that I absolutely love. I love... Reading the script at the beginning, right? So you read the script and you go, whoa, this is a good one. Do you know? And when you get the good ones, you're like, wow, they're all good, obviously. But, um, but you know, there are some that really excite you. So you're like, okay, this is great. And then you go and have your interview. And if you get it, then it's great. Um, and I'm working on a TV series at the moment. And I can just say that it, it is just when people are nice, do you know what I mean? Like, some jobs are more sort of businessy, some jobs are quite stressful because of time deadlines and all that kind of stuff. And then some jobs are just lovely. Yeah. You know, this is a lovely job. Like, the, everybody says, thank you. And, you know, and then and as soon as the cast member is confirmed, everybody's excited by it. I love those ones. You know, that um, people watch the videos and they are really complimentary, you know. Uh, so so I love the, the script and then I love the sort of bit when the cast list is like complete 
do you know what I mean? And you kind of look and you go, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, you can kind of walk away. And then you kind of go in sort of shyly, as everybody does at the read-through, and have a little look around. And that's when they start their journey. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Have I a great that. time. Yeah. Uh, finally then, is there one thing you would like actors out there who might be listening to know uh, about your side of it? That, you know, that either... I would, yeah, there's, it's one thing that you think that actors out there don't know that you wish they did know about what you do and how you do it. Um, I don't know really. I mean, I know, you know, that uh, I suppose, okay, so like, it's really important, I suppose, okay, I think I've already said this though, that, that we, we, because we mostly come from acting backgrounds, yeah. we genuinely love actors and we work very hard on your behalf and so what looks like a list of annoying instructions <laughs> which will just drive despair when you read it <laughs> go, you know life's not that easy Louise you know this list of annoying instructions is actually for your own benefit right. because it makes you look better like genuinely so if the tape looks bad it's just a little bit off-putting. So what we try is to make everything look and be as best as it can. Um, obviously, people know that we work really, really late. Um, obviously, people know that this perception of power is rubbish. Like, rubbish. We're all just doing a job. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and we're all doing as best we can. Um, and I feel very proud to be I was I mean I was talking to the, the actor earlier about it like this Ireland is tiny like you look on the world map like we're minute yeah. we're like a fingernail you know a fig- we're a fingernail of the world but seriously the amount of amazing work that we produce in theatre and obviously film and television so I'm proud to be part of that and I feel like we are such an important part on the international stage you know um, young filmmakers I mean Dublin Old School I'm going to see this weekend it's going to be great yeah. it's a real Irish film you know what I mean um, that I think we in order to make sure that we stay that way we just need to kind of work and play hard <laughs> does that make sense it makes perfect sense I think it's a wonderful <laughs> attitude Louise thank you so much for taking time to the podcast that was an absolute dream oh, thank you for having me <laughs> So there you have it, the great Louise Kiley. So fantastic to get to hang out with her for the hour and to get that insight into her element of the business. Fascinated to hear her talk about the collaborations and how she goes about her uh, process and how she fits into the overall machine. I think Louise is great. It was wonderful to get the time with her and a really great insight into a particular strand of the business that maybe we don't often uh, get to peek behind the curtain of too often. So I'm eternally grateful to her for that. And so... That brings us to our usual weekly roundup of the theatrical goings-on around the country at the Abbey Theatre. They have the last few performances of Cypress Avenue. They also have Hard to be Soft, A Belfast Prayer. They have Not a Funny Word from my hero Tara Flynn, and that is at the McLally Theatre in Galway, but do keep an eye out for it around the country as it's doing a couple of dates around at the moment. And then they also have The Rehearsal, Playing the Dane, starring my pal Connor Madden. Uh, At the Gate Theatre, they have Assassins featuring Kate Gilmore, 
Gilmore and of course Rise Productions regular Rachel O'Byrne at the Borgosh Energy Theatre it's Titanic the Musical and that is followed by Son of a Preacher Man at the Mermaid in Bray coming up soon we have Rise Productions with the Good Father go get yourself some tickets for that uh, at Theatre Upstairs at the moment they have I See You by Amy Rune, and that is starring the brilliant Roxana McLeam at the New Theatre in Temple Bar down and out in Paris and London from the brilliant Phelan Drew Smock Alley has a load of stuff for the Literary Festival at the moment including an event with the great Liz Nugent which is always worth um, trying to catch if at all possible at the Civic Theatre in Tala they have Trist I will be going there tonight with my lady wife for a very pleasant evening of theatrical entertainment and of course that'll be followed by us with the good father next week can't wait to get out there for that at the Viking Theatre in Clontarf they have Under the Bed at the Dolmen they have Mary and Me and that's followed by The Watchman at Bewley's Cafe Theatre back in their home on Grafton Street they have My Fair Ladies from Des Kyo um, at Project Art Centre in Temple Bar My Son My Son with the ever awesome Lauren Larkin uh, heading down south to the Everyman in Cork they have Minding Frankie they have Shout the Mod Musical and of course they have Us with The Good Father coming there very soon can't wait to get back to the Everyman it's really it's been a while and I'm really delighted to be getting back down uh, heading west to Limerick at the Lime Tree they have Autumn Royal there at the Hawkswell in Sligo it is The Good Father from Rise Productions anybody out there west coast come join us and up north at the Lyric Theatre in Belfast they have the Sword in the Sand and Lovers from the great Brian Friel so look that is us that is episode 28 in the books we will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers but in the meantime this has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast for Angus Og McAnally I'm Angus Og McAnally we'll see you next week (laughs) 